Welcome to episode 25 of Social Anxiety Solutions, your journey to social confidence. My name is Sebastian van der Schrier and I'm an ex-social anxiety disorder sufferer. Thanks to techniques from energy psychology and the help of some brilliant therapists and a lot of persistence, I've been able to become free of social anxiety. So I'm uh, calm and relaxed socially. I connect with people effortlessly and I've, I've got a good time socially. That's been very different in the past. Now on this show, I interview uh, a different expert each week to explore social anxiety solutions from both Western traditional psychology as well as Eastern energy psychology. So each week we'll put new tools into your toolkit to enhance your social confidence. Today I'm interviewing Dr. David Lake for the second time on the show, and this time it's on depression, deep topic. Here's a bit about David. David is a medical practitioner. David is a medical... <clears throat> David... <laughs> That's the beauty about doing this <coughs> pre-recorded. David is a medical practitioner and psychotherapist who has been in private practice since 1977. Dr. Lake completed 17 years of medical hypnosis and four years of analytic psychotherapy supervision, as well as comprehensive training in provocative therapy. Uh, He's also the supervisor of therapists, supervises me as well, and he was recommended as the to-go-to expert to speak on depression. David, thank you very much for being back on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure, Sebastian. Pleasure. Mm. Now, we're not going to do the whole uh, inspiration round and uh, empowerment round and stuff like that. We're just going to have uh, an interview kind of style. So to kick it off, um, what is your definition of depression? Well, my definition of depression is... Um covered by the question I ask people, do you feel depressed? And a depressed person will answer that yes in 50% of cases. That's an incredible business to screen for the condition. You need a high index of suspicion to work out if somebody is depressed. But basically, it's an impression that you get because they might have a, a depressed mood they might be um, not so reactive or have difficult difficulties with concentration. They just uh, look a bit low in their spirits, have a low energy state. And on specific questioning, you know, they might have sleep disturbance or diminished appetite or they might have lost weight. They might have suicidal thoughts. They just might think that life isn't really worth living. It's a complex uh, condition, but you need to be quite suspicious to actually pick it up. It's bizarre because it's very, very common. All of my professional mistakes, almost without exception, have been made by missing somebody who's been depressed. So it's actually quite easy to miss. People compensate over time, and then you find it very hard to pick up. Mm. Yeah, I... I, uh... I, I may have experienced depressive periods, but not never for a really, really long time. I do remember um, my my friend when he was sixteen or seventeen. He was uh, diagnosed with depression and was taking medication. And um, yeah, he just was 
basically bored all the time. He didn't want to come out. He's, you know, he's like, oh, I don't feel like it. Oh, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like this. I don't want to do that. And he basically just sat behind his computer the whole day playing video games, also not really enjoying that. And uh, we're like, what's wrong yeah. with Nick? You know, what's wrong with him? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. he has depression. Yeah. yeah. Well, people don't understand depression because they mix it up with having um, periods of low energy or low mood. And there's also such a thing as uh, depressive thinking, negative thinking. Mm. And therefore, they think um, they think two things, generally speaking. They think you can snap out of it and that they think you've got to do it yourself. This is absolutely universal. I don't know why. Most other mental health issues, people put up their hand and they're willing to get help. But with depression, you're supposed to do it all yourself and then you're supposed somehow to use your thinking to snap out of it. Your thinking, which is already underwater and distorted and even black, is supposed to drag you out of some kind of quicksand. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So, if it, you know, when it's not something you can think your way out of, um, you know... If you could, it wouldn't be an issue. Mm. So, uh, you know, a lot of people with social anxiety, uh, you know, they avoid social situations, they, they avoid going for what they want in life, and often you know, they're not able to connect with others, they put themselves down, they can't connect deeply with anyone, and uh, you know, they, they have worries and fears that they'll live with it for, forever, and uh, <clears throat> th those are probably thoughts and feelings uh, of depression, but... Um, is, is, is that actual depression or is that just, you know, the depressive thoughts that are a normal result of, you know, lack of connection, not being able to go for your, what you want and so on? Over time, it does become depression, in my opinion. It's like a chronic stress for them to have such an issue. And then eventually it becomes a kind of mental state. And yes, that is depression. Sometimes people become depressed after an acute event like a car accident or the death of a loved one or something like that or, or a major reversal in their life. And these are, these are all, uh, this is all one kind of depression where the person is having a lot of trouble coping. But there's another kind, so-called melancholic depression, which is uh, characterised by a very low energy poor concentration and, and slow or even agitated movements. Now, when people have this kind of depression where they just drag themselves around and they can't think and they can't do anything at all, they're absolutely exhausted all day long, that's really quite a nasty business and very, very serious. And it's important to recognise it because um, ordinary psychological treatments don't work at all. Not at all, not in the slightest. Whereas with the other kind of depression, where people are reactive to life either over a long period or fairly quickly reactive to negative events, you can often use psychological treatments uh, very successfully, especially the energy therapy treatments. But here I'd like to raise a, a warning flag, if, if I may. Mm -hmm. it's, it, I've got a bee in my bonnet about the way both, um, say, doctors and alternative practitioners think about 
depression that can be treated psychologically. And that is that they actually think, once again, that either you should use medication or you shouldn't. And I say, if it's mild, or even if it's moderate, you can try treating your depression with psychological methods. But if it isn't mild or moderate, if it's moderate or severe, then you really should consider taking a medication. And this is why depression isn't treated well all around the world, because people don't make this distinction. Mm. I Every year I see quite a few alternative practitioners as patients, naturopaths, chiropractors, homeopaths, and their family have sent them along because they're chronically depressed and typically they might need to take medication for a while and they do and then they actually get better and the families are so grateful and they're grateful too and they realize that their beliefs were preventing them from getting better so i say we need the best of both worlds we need the best of orthodox medicine and we need the best of natural medicine having said that i would like someone to explain to me why um, energy psychology methods, especially tapping, works so well in anxiety and not so well in moderate or severe depression. It only works for very brief periods, even minutes or hours. For mild depression, it works really quite well, quite well indeed. But moderate to severe depression, in my own practice, I don't use um, energy psychology methods as the first method of treatment. Mm-hmm. I'll use it as the second or third method after medication. Mm-hmm. So someone <clears throat> who's, who's dealing with moderate or severe depression would need to go to his medical doctor in a year. It's extremely important. Otherwise, all the good work that you can do psychologically won't stick or won't last. They won't be able to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. You can go to a psychologist and have a fantastic session of psychological treatment and by the time you get home, it's all gone if you're moderately or severely depressed. That's really a terrible outcome. Hmm. Do you know why that happens? No, I don't. And I'd love to know. Hmm. Because there's so many earnest and, and sincere therapists, all kinds of therapists all over the world are treating depression. And they're getting results which generally speaking, are woeful. I remember the days when there weren't any good antidepressant medicines, and I hope we never go back to those times. Nowadays, the taboo, the stigma of having to get over it yourself and having to get over it only by thinking is getting in the way of people getting better. I say we should do whatever it takes to get better because depression is a very serious business that it kills relationships and it kills um, family cohesion. Mm. And it just takes away all of the life that's worth living. It's a terrible business. You've got to treat your depression before you can treat anything else that might be going on. It's number one. You have to treat it. So in my own practice, um, I like to make a very good assessment, as, as good as I can. And if I'm not sure, I won't hesitate to send somebody to somebody who knows more, a specialist in this field. Because depression can be a very tricky thing to treat.
in um in 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 the energy psychology world uh indeed like you say there's you know what uh it may be shifting a bit already or that might just be my perception but uh, especially earlier on it was like uh, you know medication is the big no-no and everything can be treated with you know a bit of tapping or this kind of technique and um and what I hear you say, which I want to emphasize, is that for uh, certain situations of uh, moderate to, to severe depression, people actually need the medication in order for the um, you know, tapping or energy psychology results or other psychological uh, interventions to stick. And uh, we do currently have those medications that can help people, right? That's exactly right. I used to think it was me. I used to think there was something inadequate about my technique or approach. And when I went to Gary Craig's Flagstaff conference back in 2005, I actually said to the group, there must have been mm, nearly 500 people, I think, therapists, I said, if anybody here knows how to treat moderate to severe depression with any degree of reliability or consistency, could they come and see me? because I can't do it with tapping alone. And only two people came to see me, and both the things they offered weren't, weren't sounding very good to me. Yeah. And quite a few people came up to me later and said, well, actually, I'm on antidepressants myself, but I didn't want to mention it in this, uh, in this gathering. Yeah. And um, Patricia Carrington, who's actually a psychiatrist, she's the originator of the Choices Method and a a real shaker and mover in the energy psychology field, she and I see eye to eye on this subject completely, how to treat depression with tapping. Hmm. We see eye to eye. Well, uh, great. So <laughs> when, uh, how do you treat that? That's actually my, well, it's going to be my second question. <laughs> I can read it out nicely, but uh, you know that, that, that would be it. Like when you have... Uh, depression and medication how do you approach EFT how do you incorporate that within it okay well as everybody should know a medication doesn't actually treat an underlying problem but it gives you the opportunity to address all these personality issues that people bring to the table when they have depression uh, broadly speaking people are either externalizing their problem or they're internalizing their problems an externalizing personality will present with like irritability they'll be focused on themselves they'll be maybe volatile or hostile but an internalizing style of personality will be anxious and, and self-critical uh, reserved introverted socially avoidant quite commonly yes perfectionistic and quite sensitive to rejection. This is where um, the real life skills and personal support of therapy, plus using a lot of tapping as self-help to settle down their agitated nervous system, is really vital. On that subject, a lot of people don't realize that depression and anxiety often coexist, and even that depression can drive anxiety. So when you actually treat the depression properly, a tremendous amount of anxiety may well resolve quite quickly. This is worth knowing if you suffer from any kind of anxiety, mm -hmm. to have a good assessment and find out if there's any underlying depression. Mm 
Very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, and very important to know. Um, what What would you say uh, are, are some of the causes of depression? Well, like I implied before, if you're dealing with the acute stresses of life and you run out of coping ability, say, for example, you're working um, in crisis management or a high-stress situation, if you're in any of the emergency services, uh, if you're a doctor, if you're a psychiatrist, if you're a person who's actually hearing a lot of, of about life's difficulties, this can have quite an effect. It's almost cumulative. You can take a certain amount of it and like a soldier that's been in too many battles, you suddenly run out of coping ability and then you badly need R&R, rest and, and recreation. Mm. So there's that. But there's also, as you might imagine, there's people who are far more sensitive and vulnerable and susceptible in the general society. These are the sensitive people. They're, they're prone to, for example, panic disorder. They're highly suggestible. They're ideal hypnotic subjects, but that includes the negative mass hypnosis of other people's criticism and negative thinking. So I think it's roughly 20 or 30% of people are fairly sensitive like that. Mm. You might say they're prone to that kind of depressive reaction, but one in 10 people in their lifetime are going to experience an episode of depression. That's incredible. Yeah. That's very high. So it's a common subject. Mm. Um, so at, at what point, so say, uh, say someone's listening to this and they've been suffering from social anxiety for a long time and um, you know, they, they decide to give uh, uh, EFT a try, um, you know, at what point do they decide, hey, there might be an underlying depression going on here? Uh, like, like, what would be telltale signs for them to, you know, have the light bulb go on? It's like, hey, maybe I am dealing with depression. I should go see, a, you know, my doctor and get a proper diagnosis. Yes. Well, first of all, it would be helpful, extremely helpful, if they weren't so isolated and actually had the benefit of somebody helping them make a good assessment in the beginning. So they didn't have to do the heavy lifting themselves, that they didn't have to make this difficult decision. That would be an ideal situation where they could be the client patient and a health professional could actually help them. Um, that assessment is actually fairly straightforward. So somebody with social anxiety, with, which is quite strong, limiting their life, I, I would suggest they need an assessment first before they decide on treatment. Most people are deciding on treatment long before they know exactly what's wrong with them. And this is the whole idea of, okay, you might have social anxiety, but do you also have other kinds of anxiety? Do you have, yes, underlying depression? Or do you have uh, difficulties with your sense of self? Do you have um, obsessive thinking? Are there any signs that your, your thoughts are... Uh, not ordered or, shall we say, um, dependable, reliable, predictable. This is a very tricky business for the, the for the sufferer to work out all by themselves. Mm. 
So I'm not sure it's it's so straightforward for them to embark on a course of tapping and then make up their minds halfway down the line. Therefore, a good assessment will give them the chance to say, well, okay, it looks like I could benefit very, very much. There doesn't seem to be much evidence that um, I'm suffering from uh, too severe a problem. It's just gone on for too long and it's, it's severe in one aspect. They can be ideal candidates for tapping in energy psychology. But if they have personality issues, if they're the very susceptible, vulnerable personality, the tapping isn't going to change that personality. They need bits and pieces of good therapy and, and strategic thinking and all kinds of good stuff. If they want to concentrate solely on depression and to say yes or no to that, based on what they're hearing right now, I'll go back to that question, do you feel depressed? And if the answer is yes, um, it's pretty likely that you are. If your mood is low, if your energy is low, if you're finding it very hard to think positively about life, okay, chances are even higher that you're going through an episode of depression. That's, that's enough for a single person to, to have a yes answer. Mm. And um, to uh, switch this in a slightly more positive fashion, when they actually go uh, go to their doctor and they get um, you know medication, um, w- what happens typically, or what could happen? Well, if they might not need medication, but if they are, for example, moderately to severely depressed then uh, it's an educated guess on the part of the doctor as to which family of modern medications would be of the most benefit, bearing in mind that um, up to 20% of best guesses don't actually produce good results in the first few months, so you often have to switch. It's very irritating when that happens, but I'll put it the other way. Three-quarters of people who do need an antidepressant actually respond extremely well with hardly any side effects and they actually resume their ordinary life because now the cloud has lifted and they can actually think clearly for the first time in years mm. and every if they don't notice that everyone around them will tell them their partners will tell them their uh, friends will tell them it's like ah oh, you've come back you know you you're smiling mm. things like that mm. And um, <clears throat> and then as they are on that uh, medication and that mood has been lifted as a result of taking uh, the medication, now they're in a place to address some of the problems that were causing or contributing the depression in the first place so that, yeah. you know, hopefully in time they can, um, you know, stop the medication. and uh, Exactly. Well, most people do. They don't need it forever, but they often need it um, for a reasonable length of time. It's not like an antibiotic. It's not a two-week course. It's pretty common to need it for between six and 12 months, and when you go off, to go off under supervision so that you don't um, relapse and have to go back to trying to work out what's wrong all by yourself. Hmm. Are are, are there other things that... um, uh, 
people can do to alleviate depression, such as exercise or meditation or you know, any, anything like that? Yes, I want to emphasize that um, there's a lot of natural methods that are really very helpful, but they're not in the same league as a good medication if you're moderately or severely depressed. If you're mildly depressed, I would say that um, a lot of the alter- so-called alternative methods would actually sort you out. You could go on to a very good exercise regime. You could uh, change your diet. There's some very interesting um, self-help books on diet for depression, getting onto fish oil and all kinds of good supplements. People will take St. John's wort uh, at the drop of a hat, even though they don't know what it is, mm. because it's a so-called natural method, but very unfortunately it's not that strong, in my opinion. By the way, if you take a good medication and you come back to life, that's the proof that you were depressed, in case you had any doubt. It's very annoying that people have to take medication. It's not like anybody really wants to. I wouldn't like to take it if I were depressed, but I would, because there's two things I've seen that um, upset me. One is having to take medication, and one is being depressed, and one is a lot stronger than the other. Yes. I would hate to be depressed and not not get better like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can, I can remember being, uh, being really sick and uh you know having to go on antibiotics um i'm not a big fan of uh, taking antibiotics but i'm even less of a fan of being really sick <laughs> when i took the antibiotics and afterwards i was done with it and i was very happy that i took it you know yeah this is um you just reminded me of something that's um also a very important distinction there's a language problem when t- people talk about natural methods If you had an abscess in your arm and you sincerely decided you needed antibiotics, you'd probably be right. But if, for example, you went to a faith healer and they said, "Uh, we can put honey on this. Honey is very good for abscesses. It will help you. Now, this language is misleading. Good and help does not mean cure or even good treatment Mm. it can be useful it can be a supportive treatment but if you have an abscess and all you've got is honey well you're living in the third world and what is an abscess i'm sorry an abscess is a collection of pus like a massive great pimple either external or internal but typically say you had an infected sore you develop a if the germ got in and you didn't clean it, it would uh, develop very quickly into an abscess. It used to be a very common cause of death in, in medieval times. Mm. You'd ride your horse and you'd get an, um, a sore on your skin and then you'd be dead a week later. Mm. <laughs> Considering the positive nature of this talk, I think we'll move on <laughs> to the idea that when people talk about a natural method, They're not talking about curing depression or even treating it effectively. And if they are, I'd like to be corrected. They're talking about things that might be useful or helpful. But this is not 
about getting the depression to lift completely. There's a couple of things in the world now that are new treatments which I think show a great deal of promise. One is magnetic stimulation of the brain. That is looking very, very helpful for depression. And the other is um, so-called five-element acupuncture. I'm looking into this because I have seen a couple of examples of chronic depression treated very effectively with this kind of acupuncture. So it makes me think, hmm, if it can happen with one or two people, maybe it can happen with more. Hmm. But there are millions and millions of people with depression as we're speaking. And most of those people are not getting any kind of help. So I regard this as a, a very pervasive and a very difficult problem. Hmm. Interesting. Um, this is... Uh uh, the, the the following is uh, something that's not researched, and uh, you know I'm not the advocate of this technique, but I've heard good things about it and experienced good benefits from it, uh, which is something called the emotion code, which is something you might want to check out. It's pretty woo woo and out there as well, but uh, I've heard a lot of good things yes, about it. I've heard about it, and um, you know, if it really helped depression, I wouldn't care what it was. Mm. that's where I'm coming from that's how I found tapping that sounds a little woo woo but the results are very compelling and that's what I want to see when people are talking about depression and what they're doing for it I want to see some compelling results Yeah, I really do and I'm pretty tired of seeing very lukewarm results and I'm very very tired of seeing comments like um, tapping can help depression very much. Well, not if it's moderate or severe depression, it can't. And I think it's irresponsible to say it can if it can't. Mm. And anyone who thinks it can, I want them to contact me immediately. I'll, I'll go wherever they are and I'll learn what they're doing. But so far, that standing offer has, has never been picked up. Well, um I thank you very much for that perspective. I think that's something uh, people really need to hear. Um, also, coming from someone who who's learned the tapping uh, in what ninety eight is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. And that's been uh, giving workshops. And, you know what? Hmm. I've used. I had a reputation locally in my area for being the doctor to go to when you wanted to treat your depression with natural methods. And for 10 years, that's what I did. And I was getting quite good results with tapping. People would come back the following week and, and they were slowly making changes and a lot of improvements. And then after, because uh, we were treating this very intensively, very intensively, okay. So after a little while, I'd... I'd say, this is all looking very good, you know, lucky you. But I didn't follow them up properly. And after a while, I felt bad about that. So I actually contacted about 20 or 30 people that I'd seen a year before. And every single one had relapsed completely. Wow. Yeah, every single one. And that's when I started to think, maybe it's me. I'm not doing the tapping properly. I'm not getting to the right place. I'm not... I'm missing something. I'm, these, were, these were quite severe cases. Um, they weren't easy, 
but I still thought I should have had better results than that. So then I started asking other people very specifically about this group of people with this moderate to severe depression, and their results weren't any better than mine. And I still find that. Do you find anyone who claims they get good results uh, with severe depression and tapping? These are talking about one person. Mm. It's not good enough. I want to see compelling results. Mm. Like you get with mild depression and uh, most kinds of anxiety. Tapping and anxiety is phenomenal, as you probably know. And anyone who does um, Sebastian's course, anybody who's listening to this, He's got a fantastic assessment program and a fantastic application program for the tapping. It's just magnificent, in my opinion. Thank you. But a lot depends on having a good assessment, and um, tapping can't do everything. It doesn't treat every uh, mental health disorder as well as it does fear, hurt, and anxiety. And unfortunately, depression is in a box of its own where only the mild form responds pretty well to tapping alone. That's where we're at these days, and I hope that changes quite soon. Hmm. Well, I think that's quite a, a thorough um, coverage of the, of the topic of depression and how it relates to social anxiety. Um, some of the resources you mentioned... Um, you know, like the acupuncture stuff and uh, certain other things you mentioned. I'll, I'll link up on the show notes page, and that will be um, socialanxietysolutions.com forward slash David Depression. <laughs> uh, right. right. So, you know, then nothing rests me then to say thank you very much for your wisdom and uh, openly speaking out about this important thing to uh to be known and uh thank you very much uh it's a pleasure Sebastian. awesome all right well when you're listening to this um thank you for listening this was important for you to hear um when you are dealing with moderate or severe depression or you you think you you might be it's highly recommended you go and see your doctor and get a proper assessment so that you can get the help you need so that the results uh, that you're after will actually be lasting results. So wish you all the best and I look forward to connecting with you next week again. Bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>